Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time you are tuning in, welcome to Homesteading and Gardening in the Suburbs. I'm Emma from Misfit Gardening and today we're talking about chickens. And I know I missed last week and unfortunately we had some things that we needed to deal with on the homestead last week so I wasn't able to get a podcast out to you. Um, but today I wanted to talk all about us having chickens and some of the things that we're thinking about in our permaculture homestead because it's been about four years since we last had a flock of chickens and we've definitely missed having eggs from the chucks that we had especially those when they were foraging around the backyard and in the garden when we lived in the suburbs so we've really been saving up to be able to purchase some of the materials to build a coop and in return for being fed, watered and having a secure shelter, chickens provide so much for the homestead. So we're really excited to be able to finally look at getting a flock here. Now, chickens are actually going to be a really key piece in our permaculture homestead. Primarily, the chickens are going to be for pest control and composting. Um, we have a few composting methods that are here on the homestead. Um, we have a worm composting setup that we've made out of a plastic tote and another out of a cooler. Um, so when we get the hens, like we can give them some worms as a treat. Um, my husband also has some fishing bait and I can get worm castings for the garden. Um, speaking of fishing though, um, the pretty chicken feathers actually might become some fishing flies. I never even thought about this until I saw a category of chickens on a hatchery's website specifically for making fishing flies to tie onto your fishing pole. Never would have thought of that, but there is a whole category of different birds for that. Um, but back to composting, we have a bakashi composter. That's where things like meat, fish, bones, dairy scraps, all of that gets composted. Um, it's how we composted um, the bits from harvesting chickens for meat when we lived in the suburbs. And bakashi composting produces like a, a liquid fertilizer tea that makes a really great plant fertilizer when it's diluted down. Um, the effective microbes that are in the bakashi help to speed up a slow regular cold compost bin. And those, um, you know, bakashi bins, like we can, because of those, we're able to add a lot more waste back into the soil. So we're going back to feeding the land and feeding our plants and animals and of course us. And I really like the bakashi because it sort of, it kind of pickles the, the waste beforehand. So it goes through like this fermentation um, process by anaerobic bacteria and it helps to deter pests from coming and eating those things because you can't traditionally compost meat fish or bones or dairy and stuff like that in a, a cold composting pile or a regular compost bin because they'll attract you know predators and pests and stuff to the bin because it doesn't get hot enough to compost those down but using bakashi to kind of pre-treat those items means that I can get that stuff composted I can either put it into the composter or I can bury it in the soil to to get more nutrients from those materials that are being broken down um, so you know because we're doing that you know a lot more waste is going back to feeding that soil that's now going to be feeding the land 
land and then it's going to be feeding the plants and then that's going to be feeding our animals and of course you know us as well um and in in the orchard um we can actually use that bakashi to make some um sprays that you can spray on the trees on the bark on the foliage and stuff and um, we can use those to help the trees fight off pests and be able to flourish better um so by using effective microbes fish emulsion kelp neem oil and castile soap in water we can make a spray that we can spray onto our trees and fruit bushes in the very early spring as those buds are starting to break and um, we can use that at different times of the year as well to you know help those trees get a bit of extra nutrients and help kind of tackle whatever it is that the the climate and the pests are being thrown at them and traditionally chickens were put into the orchard and um, to forage the fallen fruit and take out the pests that were looking to overwinter in the soil around the trees and you know when we start to look at how pests interact with our gardens and we learn a bit more about them we find that actually there's a lot of different types of pests where part of their life cycle is that they go into the ground and they burrow into the soil to survive through the winter and having our chickens out there is going to help break that cycle so we're going to reduce the pest um, numbers that are there and really help with that integrated pest management strategy that we're working on so I did mention that we have a regular cold compost bin as well now we could look to moving that to where the ch chickens might be penned so that they can scratch through that compost they're going to turn it for us they're going to add their own manure they're going to eat some of the scraps that are in there and I mean I've seen videos of people who that is how they feed their chickens is by the, the composting of, of scraps that are coming from um, the garden and the kitchen into there. And if you look at permaculture chicken coops, you will often see that compost bins are kind of integrated into that chicken run area as a means to feed the chickens, process waste into compost faster and, you know, get more out of the garden and more out of the land with less work. And in a permaculture chicken setup, chickens in these composting cycles go hand in hand but so do chickens to cultivate the garden beds and you know reducing those pests like we talked about and we plan to basically put our chickens out into the garden area in fall to be able to scratch through the soil eat any pests that might be trying to overwinter in the garden eat any weeds or plants that are in the garden you know any of those weed seeds that might be there like chickens love to scratch things up and they will really clear an area for you um, if they're left in that same spot for a day or two so that's why when you're looking to pasture your chickens you want to be moving them every couple of days because they're going to clear that ground um, which is great for you to then you know sow seeds and things on um, or use it in you know another another manner maybe you want to grow some um, you know green manures or something to build your soil on there after you know all of the plants and things have been harvested from from summer and into fall so there's a lot of ways that people use chickens and they're an incredibly versatile um, animal to have on the homestead 
and another piece of this kind of permaculture puzzle and self-sufficient homestead that we've got going on here on Mossy Bottom is that my husband is an avid woodworker and he uses like a lot of hardwoods, pine and stuff like that and because he's building stuff he generates a lot of wood shavings and he's been collecting wood shavings in his wood shop so we can use those in the coop as a litter we've also got wood chips that have come from down trees they might also be a source of coop bedding as well so we're really using up what we have on the property and what we're generate generating as a you know quote unquote waste so you know a mixture of these wood shavings and chicken waste can be composted together in a separate pile and once that's composted after six months or so I've got a really great um, fertilizer to be able to spread on those garden beds. And for those of you that are kind of worried about, you know, converting to a no-till kind of garden bed and, you know, you've read stuff about the wood chips kind of robbing nitrogen and stuff from that soil, um, you know, you really kind of see that when you are mixing the wood chips into that soil bed and yes the chickens kind of scratching through is going to be mixing some of that stuff up but because I've got this you know I'm gonna have this composted chicken waste you know chicken manure is very high in nitrogen so it's going to help my you know leafy green veggies and stuff grow very well they're gonna have like a lot of that nitrogen material that they love same with corn but I'm also going to be able to offset some of this you know nitrogen robbing that's going to be happening because i'm using wood chips so it's all going to be used on the homestead and i really love this idea of recycling things and using them up and putting them to a better use like i i love that even from you know quilting stuff um you know my my dear friend and neighbor um she's always laughing at me because you know as we're kind of making quilt things together or we're you know processing her um scrap pile and stuff to you know make into like other squares or you know other shapes and stuff that we can use later there'll be like these little itty bitty bits of um fabric and stuff i'm like oh there's too much there like we can't that, that's that's not waste we can use that as something else like this is very much like who i am as a person like i hate wasting things um you know can i use like this coffee cup from the the coffee that i treated myself to while we were out in in the city like can i use this to plant you know some of my seedlings in yes can i use these you know material like containers and stuff um that we've gotten from the grocery store that had food in can i you know use those to plant seedlings in yes okay can i use these you know fabric scraps and turn them into something else yes right i'm i'm very much like use it up wear it out make it do or do do without um that is definitely a a mantra on our homestead but back to the chickens because one of the things that you know we we really would like to do is let our birds free range um i probably can't let them fully free range i mean we don't have um, a lot of fencing i'm pretty sure um that people driving by are not going to be um, overly cautious if I've got chickens crossing the road um, certainly on you know when I'm commuting home like I see chickens and there was some a peacock or something that was um, decided to cross the road and take on a truck the other day that was quite entertaining um, but 
you know, not everybody is going to be cautious about, you know, slowing down for a livestock. Um, so I don't really want my chickens to be off visiting, you know, my neighbors. Um, some of my neighbors will be happy to see the chickens visiting their property, others are not. Um, so they're gonna need some way to keep them in one area. So we're gonna need some sort of movable chicken tractor or a poultry pen, something that's gonna help keep the birds in that area. Also, I really want to make sure that the chickens are kept um, safe from one of my dogs. Like I know one of my dogs is not okay to um, be around birds. And I've seen that just from watching YouTube videos about chickens. Like he is going bananas over them. And when we had chickens, it was okay. Um, but I think because he's been away from them a little bit, um, there's a level of caution that I need to have there until he gets used to them and trained with them. Again, my, my collies, I'm less concerned about because they've been around birds and other animals and stuff. Um, he hasn't. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But we also have a number of birds of prey that visit our garden, let alone the actual predators like the foxes, raccoons, coyotes, feral cats, fishers or fisher cats. They're kind of like a weasel. Um, bears, bobcats and weasels themselves. So we have a lot of stuff that is here because we live kind of rurally. And we need to think about those things when we're thinking about keeping chickens and how to keep those chickens safe. So there's things like electric poultry fencing, like that type of pen for when the birds are out of the coop. That could be used, it's easily moved around and you know offers some level of protection for some of those predators if they get a bit of a shock from the electric fencing, but it doesn't give anything for that overhead and those birds hunting. You know, so if we're getting like eagles and stuff flying over, which we get a lot of, there's also owls and falcons and, you know, all sorts of things out here. So I'm leaning more towards building some um, easy to build kind of cattle panel and hardware cloth hoop house type of designs for a chicken tractor, something that I could build and move around the property myself and I can easily convert it to protect plants that are in the ground for winter. So I can just throw over some greenhouse plastic over the structure and kind of staple it down. And then I've got an option to not only be harvesting things throughout winter, but there's also an option for me to be able to be saving seeds of biennial crops because I'm gonna be able to protect things like kale, cabbage, onions, carrots, right? be able to protect those from the really harsh weather of winter and then come the next spring I can take that hoop house off that we've got, got on place there um, and those plants that are surviving are going to be able to produce seeds that following year so now this becomes a bit more of a possibility and that excitement is there because you know when your brain starts solving some of these problems and how we can get more from what we're trying to do here, this becomes like a really exciting enterprise. And this is something that I have wanted even when I was in um, the suburbs for my chickens. So I'm really quite excited to build this. And I think this is probably something that um, I might uh, video while I'm building, because I'm not the best at when it comes to building. And I feel that if it's something that I can put together, you know, anybody who is handy with, you know, woodworking tools will probably be able to do a better job than I will. So um, if that is something that you'd be interested in seeing me build then let me know over in the Facebook group that would be great to see 
All right, next, um, I want to talk about maximizing what we have. So, you know, just as I was explaining about the the um, chicken coop and the chicken tractor type of deal becoming a hoop house, right? The, maximizing what we already have and repurposing is not only going to save money and stretch that budget, um, but it also means that there's less stuff that's needed on the homestead because we're just kind of repurposing and reusing things that we already have. And, you know, the coop that we're working on, like my husband's got these great plans because he's, he's definitely the builder. Um, you know, he's thinking of things like how can we have a lot of ventilation? Um, how can we use um, deep litter methods in that coop to help keep it warm? And how can we easily clean out that coop? Because we learned a lot from having the small coop in the city. Um, there was things that we really liked about the design that we had and things that we really didn't. So we had like these vinyl tiles that were on the floor that made it super easy to clean things out. And sure, we can get some linoleum and that makes it super easy to to clean everything out and sanitize it um you know when it comes to doing those clean outs whether it's every couple of weeks or once a year or every couple of months like whatever that works out to be um we want to make sure that we have a separate rodent proof area where we can keep the chicken feed in metal trash cans um that can be stored maybe we've got a brooder box because we want to be able to you know get you know baby chicks and stuff to to raise um maybe it's for meat chickens or whatever it is right you know we're not necessarily thinking of having like a full-on kind of chicken breeding kind of deal but that might be something that would be helpful but how can you know if we have a brooder box that's going to be out in this feed storage area how can we repurpose that into something else right to to really use what we have and maximize that space um we know that the coop's going to need a run for the winter because you know the chickens are going to struggle <laughs> with you know three feet of snow on the ground so you know what are some of these things that we do and a lot of this is going to need to be predator proof but we have definitely learned a lot from not only you know our experience with keeping the chickens in the suburbs um but also looking at what other people have been doing so we've kind of spent time looking at different chicken coop tours and we've looked at ones where you know people are down in texas and we've looked at ones where you know there's people in canada with with chickens and there's things that we like about both of those setups you know there was some in texas where they were using um solar to be able to power things like opening an automatic chicken door but um powering lights and stuff like that that were gonna help keep predators away um the ones in canada we were looking at well how are they insulating the coop and keeping the birds warm and how are they keeping that ventilation there to be able to you know help reduce breathing problems because chickens um can get a lot of respiratory problems if they don't have enough ventilation so we know ventilation is incredibly important for our birds um, but also things like how do you keep the water from freezing there was a couple of videos that we saw about having rain catchment that would then provide the water for the birds so there was a lot of these like really cool ideas that other homesteaders and farmers have done and you know there's things that we like and things that we don't and how do we then 
use some of those ideas to create the coop that's going to work for us so that's a lot of kind of where having this great technology um era that we're in where all of this information is available at our fingertips but also we spend time talking to people in our area who've got chickens so we've spent time you know chatting with people to find out what sort of coops that they have and what's really worked for them how do they keep their chickens warm do they use heating do they not use heating and what sort of breeds have worked really well for them so we've learned a lot from talking to people as well now some of the things that we learned from having our chickens in the suburbs um, was that the more space that the birds could get and the more opportunities they had for them to exhibit their natural behavior like scratching the ground looking for things to eat or you know giving them things to do in winter helped reduce problems with um, the pecking cannibalism happening within the flock and of course having happier chickens means that they're healthier that the flock will be and you know of course the better the eggs and stuff are so here are some things that we learned from keeping chickens in the suburbs and some tricks and stuff that we use to help keep them active and keep their brains occupied a little bit during those winter months so number one was hanging cabbages or kale plants in the run for the birds to peck at. This was definitely a favorite because it was providing food, um, cabbages and kales and, you know, greens are full of calcium as well. So that helped give good eggs, but it was also a really good boredom buster. And we would just really pull the plants out of the ground, roots and all, and hang them in the coop um, or let them you know just kind of peck at them sometimes we hung them up on a bit of string or on um, a chain that was in the coop and sometimes we just kind of put them into the coop hanging up there so they could get the roots and stuff um, as well because they would often find like little bits of stones and stuff like that that were good for their crop um, you know to help break down like grassy materials and things because that's, that's how why chickens need grit um but we would also pick up cabbages from the grocery store that were heavily discounted and um kind of poke a hole through those and hang those up as well um and that was kind of fun because the birds would you know take a few days to work through a whole head of cabbage um adding hay or straw into the run for the hens to scratch at and you know they would scratch looking for seeds to eat um hay was definitely better than that than straw um but again you want to make sure that your birds have plenty of grit available and sometimes we would just put half a bale in there or you know the hail um the hail the hay bale um breaks out into like leaves right it's almost like a book opening and you know you can kind of throw a couple of those into the coop and then they would just kind of scratch them around and sort of spread that material um so it was helpful to you know reduce some of the smell and things that was coming up from having chickens in one place um, some hens really enjoyed pecking at Halloween pumpkins in fall. Um, I loved the idea of reducing the waste from making our jack-o'-lanterns and the pulp and seeds always went to the chickens anyway. Um, but the leftover pumpkins after Halloween was a bit hit and miss. Some of the birds really loved it. So particularly those that the, were the better foragers. Um, but not so much with the other breeds. They just kind of didn't really have any interactions at all with the pumpkins. Um, others did really well. So if you have pumpkins and you have chickens, you might want to try that. 
um, spent grain. So when we were brewing beer, that was very much loved by our backyard flock. So much so that when we were outside brewing the beer, um, they would recognize the equipment and the smells and stuff. And they would be clucking and foot stomping like on the ground and getting all mad until they got the cooled grains. Um, we wouldn't put them all in the run. Um, we would give them some over a couple of days. But what we would do is put it in the run, put some hay or straw over it so they had to scratch for the grains. Um, you definitely don't want to put too much in there though because the birds aren't going to eat all of it. And when you're brewing like an all grain recipe, you're using a lot of grain. But it's a really good way to reduce that waste um, again. And it's feeding the birds. Um, natural branches from trees made really good perches and roosts for some of the smaller birds. The thicker branches were good for heavier birds and they seemed to prefer those perches um, to roost bars and things that were made from like an old wooden broom handle or wooden dowel. So um, if you're looking for a cheaper um, version to make a um, roosting bar then maybe look to having some natural materials being used um, some of our better foraging birds would actually scratch at wood logs and stumps so they would be looking for um, bugs and grubs that were there and we would move these around the run and we would see the hens peck at whatever was under the log when we moved it that was quite a fun activity for them and then as those logs were really rotting down they would kind of shred the logs out looking for additional grubs and things that were growing in there um, when weeding the garden the weeds all got pulled up and those would go into the coop for the birds to scratch through and peck at some of the bigger weeds you know like if um, we had like um, lamb's quarter or something like that that got a little big we would you know tie those up kind of like we did with the kale plants and stuff and just let them kind of peck at that um, that was definitely something that the birds enjoyed same with um sunflower heads like once the sunflowers were passed we would ha like chop off the sunflower heads and then hang those in the run and the chickens would you know definitely peck out for all the seeds that were there they loved the sunflowers um so that was something that was quite fun and the varieties of sunflowers where you've got multiple heads on the plant we would just chop the actual sunflower plant like the stalk and then turn that upside down and put it in the coop for them to to pack out and eventually you know the birds would pull it down off whatever we had it hanging on and then they would peck through the rest of the seeds and things that were there so um if you're looking at sunflowers and um you know you're thinking about chickens it's a great way to feed them um, other fruit and um, vegetable scraps from the kitchen would sometimes go out to the chickens as well. Um, ornamental corn that was being sold in the grocery store around Thanksgiving was often on sale after that. So in the grocery store that was near me, they would kind of discount certain fruit and veg things. They would put them in like a like a little mesh bag and they would be like a set price, like maybe a dollar. And there was about eight or nine cobs that were in there so i would get those along with some of the ornamental gods and pumpkin kind of things and i would put those into the coop um for the chickens to peck at too and they loved the ornamental corn obviously um and one of the things that we did because the corn still had the husks and stuff on was we'd just kind of tie them up and then hang them on a hook in the coop and then the chickens would go for those so you know they had to work at getting that grain out and then as those kernels fell 
on the ground um you know some of the other chickens that weren't quite able to reach um they were able to get some of those kernels that were falling and would scratch and forage for those um i also would throw in um some of the cobs from the garden that weren't fully pollinated so if you had ones where there was like really poor pollination on the corn cob but there was some you know actual kernels that had grown there those all went to the chicken coop as well and um, same with shrub prunings and twiggy branches those we kind of placed in a pile for a day or two to give the birds something new to investigate and if we had any pests like slugs or snails crickets grasshoppers all of those kind of things we would just kind of toss those into the cooper at these twiggy branches to really encourage the birds to investigate the structures and forage for food now of course moving the chickens in a chicken tractor to a new area provides interest it encourages that natural scratching and pecking behavior of the birds and pastured raised chickens provide a lot more nutrient dense eggs and meat as well as using less purchased grains and feed but not you know not everybody has the luxury of being able to have a chicken tractor and be able to move the birds around in their property certainly for where i was in a suburban setting we had restrictions from the city right we had you know a space that we could have you know they it had to be a certain amount away from you know a um a road a certain amount away from the house from um, the fence line all of that had to be taken into consideration and then the coop itself had a maximum space like that it was able to take up as well as a maximum number of birds so there was a lot that kind of went into looking for breeds when we lived in the suburbs and now for chicken breeds we're doing a lot of homework again again it includes talking to local farmers about chickens and because i'm in a much colder region and not in a suburban setting i'm looking for something a little different than our small backyard flock so our backyard flock where we used to live focused on dual purpose breeds for meat and for eggs um, we needed breeds that were okay in a confined space due to those restrictions from the city that we lived in and also we wanted ones with a nice temperament um, we had a mixed flock that were um, quite successful with back there so Rhode Island Red, Sussex and Wyandots were definitely the best breeds that we had there. Now we're in a bit more of a rural setting I'm looking for something that is a good forager also known as a thrifty bird um, so breeds like Golden Campine, Javas, Dorkings, Rhode Island Reds, Leghorns, um, Minorcas, uh, Lackenvelders, Icelandics and Dumpies kind of come to mind as breeds that are well suited to foraging. We also need excellent layers since we're planning on sharing eggs with our neighbors who are sharing their garden or food scraps to be able to feed the chickens and the breeds themselves need to be colder hardy since winters here in maine are pretty cold so canadian breeds like the chanticleer are known for their ability to live in cold winters but we also want a mixture of egg colors so breeds like the americanas or the whiting true blue olive eggers or whiting true greens marins and the salmon faveo all come to mind to have that pretty mix of eggs so we're looking for a mixed flock and just as much as i love my heirloom and heritage plants the same is for chickens so it's going to be interesting to see which breeds thrive on our homestead but i would love to hear from you what is your favorite breed of chicken let me know over in the facebook group and until next time i hope your garden grows beautifully and i'll see you all next week